Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We are brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're an early stage startup or still in ideation, then the Launchpan course is designed for you. All of the basics and more, saving you tons of time and thousands of dollars in launching and growing your food, beverage, or small goods business. More details available at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and I have as my guest today on the program, Jamie Valenti-Jordan, who founded Catapult Commercialization Services back in March of 2018. He has a passion for finding new and interesting food challenges that combine scientific tools, engineering and operation realities, and business drivers to find unique and optimal solutions. Catapult is very much like a one-stop shop to be able to take products from validation into market, and we're we're going to be talking about that whole process in the show today. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you. So, Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So you started Catapult, but obviously you were doing some stuff before then. Can you share with us a little bit about your your background and what, what led you to the idea of, hey, I'm going to help other people get their food businesses going? Definitely. I think, um, you know, it's always been a passion of mine to meet, uh, to live in that space where uh, science meets engineering, meets reality, meets uh, business. Um, and kind of help people find solutions in that. So um, Catapult's really an extension um, of my career in the industry. Um, it actually goes all the way back, which, um, you know, I'll, I'll take us on a little journey on here <laughs> real quick. Um, sure. I, uh, so I, <clears throat> I, I actually had my undergrad in chemical engineering, um, fell in love with the food industry so much through a couple of internships with General Mills that I turned down a six-figure offer right out of undergrad with Exxon in order to head up to um, UW-Madison to get my master's in food science. Um, there I fell in love again with this time with my wife um, and uh, followed her out to uh, New Jersey and worked for Campbell Soup for a couple of years doing process R&D work. Ah. Um, and I promise all this story, this story has a purpose. I know. Um, uh, so, so process R&D um, in this case was... Um, looking at uh, uh, new formulations that came out, trying to make sure that they fit into the existing equipment that was out there and where it didn't um, work with the engineering group to kind of uh, bring the new uh, equipment in that was needed. Um, after two years, uh, my wife graduated from her grad school, uh, found a position out in the Bay Area. So we jumped over to uh, there and I started working with Del Monte Foods. Um, there I was in charge of um, Still doing a lot of the same things, except I was just in the corporate engineering group, so I got to take it the next step further beyond that. Uh, I got to actually uh, build the plant or build the pro- uh, production processes ah, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, my largest my largest design build was actually seventeen and a half million dollars uh, out, out in North Carolina. So, um, so yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. Um, uh, I, I spent a lot of time working with. Uh, not just the theoretical commercialization, but actually the physical and, and manifestation of doing it and getting those equipment and, and uh, in, installed, and then more importantly, servicing the um, 
you know, utility systems and things like that. I became their solar panel experts and worked on wastewater ponds and new roofs and pouring concrete and sprinklers and everything else you can think of. Um, from there, uh, jumped over to uh, try my hand in the startup realm um, for a variety of, of reasons, which, um, you know, we'll, we can talk about later. But um, <laughs> hopped over to uh, uh, Hampton Creek. They're now called Just, after sure. the Egg with Mayo folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, was brought on to be the food engineer. Um, and I could regale you with probably a good hour or so of stories, as you can imagine. Um, but, uh, the long and short of it is, is that, um, you know, I walked in the door and during my interview, even, um, you know, I saw from what making mayonnaise at large scale actually looked like, uh, and what the right equipment was to do that with. So, um, joined up with them, did a lot of good work with bringing their cogs down, um, you know, helped them build their, uh, their cogs modeling, um, Ended up uh, managing a lot of contract manufacturer relations, uh, exits, new contract manufacturers, um, getting those details worked out and whatnot, um, and uh, you know, getting getting that whole uh, the whole system running right, where you can uh, say you got positive margin on all your products, um, and you know, pushing that as far as it'll go uh, without having to push costs and all that other stuff. Very so, important. Yes. Um, also important is time with family, which turns out working for a Bay Area startup while your wife is a large uh, firm lawyer <laughs> doesn't leave a lot of time for a two-year-old. Um, so that is the reason why we picked up and left and moved out here to uh, Milwaukee. Um, and we moved to Milwaukee because my, my wife's family is from here. And she's a lawyer and she was working at uh, the large law firm here in town. Um, I actually... Financially, I didn't have to work, um, which was amazing and freeing for about a day and a half. Um, when you know that feeling kicks in of I put my whole career into this industry, I got to be able to do something that adds value back. Like I'm, I'm not really in this for pulling a paycheck. I'm in this because I actually love commercializing products. I like getting new products out there, like working on new and novel protein systems or, you know, map packaging or whatever the case may be, right? Right. The next um, big thing. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, even if it's, even if the next big thing is a granola trail mix, um, for some people it is, that's fine. Um, but it's really the passion that's centered around that. And then being able to unlock people's passion and manifest it in a meaningful and physical way is something that I enjoy doing. Like that's, that's who I enjoy being. So, um, so about day, that day and a half later, uh, I decided, okay, um, you know, let's um, let's 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 see what we can do. Um, so I started calling around, see, you know, who who knew of people that needed help um, for what I could do, and very quickly found myself calling accelerators um, in the food and beverage space and saying, hey, just thinking about it, you guys are really good at starting businesses. Do you know anything about? making food or manufacturing food or how to actually get the idea into a production facility, um, which obviously led to a couple of clients um, and the founding of Catapult. And, um, you know, it, it was good for, you know, six months while I was by myself and kind of, you know, taking on a couple of clients here and there and whatnot. 
And obviously, I ran out of bandwidth pretty quick because if you call more than two or three uh, accelerators, they start calling you with three to six uh, clients each, and all of a sudden, you're well underwater. Um, so I, uh, I, I went to the guy around the corner for some clerical work uh, support, and he helped me out. And then I made some partnerships in the industry where, you know, great, I can do the process work. You can do the product work um, and the development work that needs to convert this recipe uh, into a formulation um, by using industrial ingredients and everything like that. Let's partner together on this project and figure out how to meet the client's needs, which led to more of those types of relationships and whatnot to where we find ourselves today, where we've got um, seven employees and 30 consultants that we work with and um, doing a lot of good work in the industry. And that and that's great. I think... You know, I think one of the things, Jamie, that scares many um, food and beverage uh, entrepreneurs is this this concept of you know my taking my recipe and turning it into a formula and what happens when that happens. Um, sure. Because for many products, that's that's a challenge, and people, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily grasp that in the beginning. That when you start scaling. Um, I think for most, at least most of the people that I've worked with, co-manufacturing or co-packing is the next step. So it's whatever, you know, they mm -hmm. may be renting time in a commercial kitchen. They may actually own their own facility or whatever. But at some point in time, it's, okay, uh, I have to 3X this, 10X this, I have to, right? And then that means I've got to go into a facility. And now all of a sudden, mom's brownie recipe, <laughs> right? Um you know, we need, and we need to, by the way, we need to reduce cost of goods considerably. Um, but is that, so how have you found people treat that when you're, when you're basically trying to change their baby? Sure. Um, I mean, that's kind of the heart of what we do in many cases. Um, it's not about changing the baby. It's about preserving what makes the baby special and accentuating that through the use of a variety of different ingredients. When you go to the grocery store to look at sour cream, you may be able to find a dozen or two dozen sour creams there, right? And right. mom's recipe for brownies, for whatever reason, calls for sour cream. Um, at the heart of it, the sour cream is serving a, a flavor, um, a, 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 a structural component, whatnot. And when you break that down into its functional components, we can do far more with two or three ingredients than you can with those 24 so, uh, options for sour cream, because we may have hundreds, if not thousands of ingredients that we could use to accomplish the same goal. So it's about finding the right one and spending the proper amount of time and energy to make sure that what makes mom's brownie the best comes through in the final product that can be mass produced. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to throw sour cream in there. It's just not physically going to go into the mixer. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, so Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I mean, it, that's, that's really what we work with people to understand is, you know, what makes their product better than everything else that's out there so that we can make that happen. Um, and, and my COO would, would go on for 20 minutes if I let her, uh, about preserving the, um, culinary integrity of the product itself. That's what she emphasizes whenever she talks to somebody. For, for sure. And, and it to totally understood. Um, what, in terms of like people that are in accelerators and their products are a certain stage or their businesses at a certain stage, do you, 
kind of go through a pro an interview process or a criteria process or what makes a good client for Catapult? One of the best clients or um, uh, uh, really just about any of our clients, uh, the best one is the one who can pick up the phone and call us. Um, so I very rarely will walk away from a client. I will say that I've, um, I, I won't put out the marketing spiel. What I'll say is we work with just about anybody. Um, there are a few folks that think that they only need about, you know, $10,000 in the bank to start a food company that's going to go national within a year. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, it's, it's, but, um, yep. it's you true. know, there are folks that, that think that, um, but what we, honestly, we, we have a conversation. It's not about a set of criteria. It's not about checking boxes. What it is is about understanding your passion for your business making sure that you have what it takes to see this all the way through to the end. Because again, we're in this commercialized products. We're not in this to make money. We're not in this to sell our services. We're in this to commercialize products and we want to do it as a partnership. And so, um, if we don't think you have what it takes, we're going to, we're going to try to scare you. Um, we're going to walk you through what those steps look like and make sure that you actually feel like you can make it all the way to the end. Um, and get this product out there first in a regional and then in a national, if that's where you want to head. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, really our criteria is, do you really want to do this? Right. So it's, it's, it's the passion, but also that's passion mixed with uh, an educated, if you will, um, you know, enthusiasm for going forward. Because it's a very hard business. That's right. It just is, it is a hard business. It is. Um, it is a hard business, especially if you find out that like mom's recipe, um, just, it doesn't survive, uh, distribution. Like for whatever reason that, you know, you take it out of the oven, you don't eat it within 20 minutes. It's already moldy, which you know, can't happen, but right, let's leave that alone. Um, it's, it's those types of things that, you know, we, we just have to kind of brief people for and say, okay, if we have to change mom's recipe in order to make that happen, are you going to be okay with that type of thing? Jamie, what across the number of people that you've worked with and stuff, what's the hardest part to get an entrepreneur to deal with in commercializing the product? Um, I think the hardest part is when, when they get their product into a warehouse and they're like, okay, great. We've made a palette of each of our flavors and we're ready to go. And they turn on the website and their palette isn't sold out by morning. Um, uh, understanding sales cycles, um, whether it be e-com sales cycles, which are obviously a lot closer in, um, but still a sales cycle, uh, and, um, you know, retail, which can take years, uh, for some retailers to get into their, um, get in there. Yeah. That, that is sometimes soul crushing for people with how long that takes. And that's, yeah. And I certainly um, can, can understand that. I've had the, the same experience. I, uh. Um, I, I think the one I find most often is not understanding the amount of capital is gonna, that's going to be required, mm -hmm. you know, um, and not that they're not aware that there's going to be investment needed, but I think it's, there's a focus in the entrepreneurial thing. You're trying to, you're trying to make that sale. You're trying to get that distribution and whatever else. And then it's like, you know, my phrase is, okay, the buyer said yes, now what? Well, that's when the real work starts is you've got to be able to pull that product through. Most of the time that's going to require 
money. Um, and as you grow, because of the nature of our business, um, you go from a you know a a two two stores right in you know in in your county to a twenty store chain, mm-hmm. and then the next step up is a two hundred store chain. Well, mm-hmm. you, you, what that requires is 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 very very different, and I think sometimes again with food, beverage, and even health and beauty uh, entrepreneurs I've known not prepared for that leap when it comes to it. Sure. Um, I think there are some entrepreneurs that I've seen of late, like in the last six months or so, that are aware that there can be staged financing that they go after. Um, they just don't want their money tied up in um, in, in products, in inventory, working capital. Um, they would much rather be able to spend $50,000 on um, marketing and advertising um, and say, oh yeah, we're going to generate all these sales, but you know they don't have any inventory to go sell. Oh great, you want to place an order? We'll be ready in three months. Yeah. Well, that's it's not how that's it works. Not going to work if your if your strategy is ecom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 because of your extensive production and food science background, it's um, that's one of the things that you I, I'm pretty sure really you know bring to the table for people is that this. Um, you know, it's when we call it the food business or the beverage business, whatever. Um, what we're really talking about is a production and logistics business, and you know, and it's not the same thing as getting the products ready for the farmers market or even opening your Amazon, you know, account. Um, there's a whole nother, you know, uh, a whole nother level of things in terms that have been by the way, finely tuned over the years for efficiency that probably you're not going to change. You're going to have to adapt because it, it, it's already there in the system. Um, you know, and, and, and so I think we have to, other good counsel that we need to give the people we work with is to understand, if you don't understand production and logistics, you're going to be, um, you know, working with the your hand tied behind your back pretty much. Or better yet, you're going to need to find somebody who does and bring them on board because you're going to need to set up your production and logistics systems uh, in a meaningful way so that you can actually execute on your sales goals. Um, you know, telling people that they don't have everybody on the team that they need uh, and is is sometimes challenging for, for people to hear. Jamie, do you generally... I, I'm gonna say, I don't want to say lead. That's not it. But do you generally counsel people that co-manufacturing is probably the next step they need to look at or are there people where um, you would I, say, you know, you need your own facility? I'm of the camp that, um, the right fit for a lot of groups, uh, probably about 90 to 95% is that they need to find a contract manufacturer, um, for a couple of reasons. So one, um, you know, not having to put out the capital for the equipment um, is going to save your investors a lot of heartache. You can put more money into um, marketing. You put a lot more money into uh, uh, inventory and whatnot. So just, I mean, purely from the capital perspective, but let's say that somebody wants to give you money for capital. You still don't necessarily know how to run it very efficiently. So you're, um, uh, just because you have the equipment doesn't mean that you can make brownies on it uh, in such a way that mom used to. Um, there's a lot of different driving principles when it comes to capital equipment um, that, frankly, contract manufacturers already know, um, or at least the uh, production planners know, so that they can 
schedule your product uh, effectively. Um, then there's the aspect of, okay, now you've made it. Now you have to inventory it and warehouse it yourself. Um, you know, because yeah. they, if they're going to build a facility, they're going to want to see their own, um, you know, logistics fulfillment area, um, you know, rather than going to a 3PL. Um, but I think the, uh, the, the, the biggest thing is um, the biggest hidden gem that contract manufacturers can offer is that um, they're already buying sugar. They're already buying cocoa. They're already buying all these other things that you uh, would want to put in your product, obviously in a different proportion or else it would be somebody else's product. Um, but they're already buying those. Why not use their pricing instead of paying nearly double to just buy it yourself? Um, so if you're looking to drop your cost of um, the actual cost of the ingredients, um, you're looking to drop the cost of the um, uh, product, uh, the, the, the processing itself, drop the cost of the packaging, all of those things best can be served through a contract manufacturer, not to mention they've already got FDA certification for their facility and um, you know, we'll handle all the uh, back-end QA testing and everything like that that you need to do to meet the regulation. So also, um, yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, it, I, I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. I, I it, it's, it, it's one of the things I know that, you know, um, folks are in the business are sometimes concerned about because there's, there's all kinds of co-packer, co-manufacturer horror stories out there, but there's horror stories about everybody. So, um, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the things in the business, but there are so many advantages to doing that. And, uh, you know, and to entre entrepreneurs out there in the audience, you know, amongst the other things, Jamie was talking about having worked in the Bay Area uh, and having a business there, and, and I did too. One of our largest, you know, CPG icons in the Bay Area is Clorox, um, an, an ex-client of mine. And uh, a lot of people don't know that Clorox makes Hidden Valley Ranch dressing and KC Masterpiece barbecue sauce. And when they're when they hear it, they go, "What?" You go, "Well, yeah." And by the way, they've never actually made it; it's always been co-manufactured from when they bought it from the original the original people. It's still co-manufactured today. But you know, okay, uh, there's a reason for it because the people that are making it, I think, are the most efficient salad dressing and barbecue sauce makers in the world. And why would you change that to go build a, a gigundous plant somewhere and take that on yourself? So. If somebody the size of Clorox can see the advantage, then I think it's you know it's something certainly entrepreneurs should look at when they're when they're going forward, um, and it can help you yeah, scale faster. Jamie, right? That's the idea. Mm -hmm. That that's actually going to be my next point to follow up. There was that uh, you know if you are an emerging brand and you need to run I don't know three thousand containers or something, um, you can either get something that can make ten containers a day. To properly size it uh, to your uh, monthly production, um, ten containers, hundred containers a day, um, or you can get something that will run hundred containers a minute and run it for thirty minutes um, at a contract manufacturer, uh, and you'll have all the product that you need for the next month. Um, obviously, uh, Hidden Valley Ranch they do a lot of um, they do a lot of uh, uh, products, but yet they still don't fill up the capacity of their line hundred percent they still have other products that run on those production lines. So, um, you know, let other people use their efficiency to scale because their cost of labor, even though they may have 10 people on it, you know, they're running it for 30 minutes, 
you're going to pay them what ten dollars, uh, fifteen dollars uh, uh, for the whole session sure. each to get it to run instead of paying somebody else, you know, eighteen hours to get it to run all day. Um, in, in, Jamie, when when you have folks who approach you, the, the you know the people who call you were talking about, which is the ones that that we both we both love those folks. Um, kind of what's the process that you go through to onboard people in in um, catapult and you know, what, what steps do they go through? And you have a number of different services, so you, you can talk about that, but how does that journey usually go? Sure. Sure. So when we talk to a new group, um, either they're calling us with a specific need. Um, so I kind of give them the same background that I've already given you on, on kind of where Catapult came from and what our focus is on. Um, so that they know we're not, um, you know, professional consultants looking to line our pockets. Um, but, um, you know, we we uh, we kind of onboard them by having that conversation, understanding what their needs are, understanding um, you know even who on our team might be able to help them with their specific needs in the most efficient and, and um, way possible. And that's all in the initial call. So I'll get a cold call. Um, I'll probably get one here in about ten minutes or so, I guess. Um, <laughs> I just, the nature of how things happen. Of course, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, I'll get a call and, and we'll literally just talk through, tell me your needs. What are you working on? Things like that. At some point, I have to cut them off in that conversation and say, you're about to tell me something proprietary. Please stop. Um, I would love to continue this conversation. Please send me your NDA. So we sign their NDA. I get my COO on the phone for the next call. And we walk through uh, everything in detail, asking all the proprietary questions we need to put together, um, you know, reasonable size scope so they know discreetly what it is we're going to um, do for them roughly how long it's going to take. Because it turns out, um, I don't know if you've worked with startups before, but they, they can be sometimes chaotic and not understand what they need sometimes. Um, so yes. we put together a scope. We help them understand what it is we can do. Um, if we exit that scope and they want more help, um, we tell them we're doing everything on an hourly basis. But that's why we work generally on an hourly basis is that while we can put together a scope, generally the need far exceeds that. Once they trust us, they trust us to help them with a larger scope. And so we just kind of keep working on that front. Um, and then, frankly, we, um, you know, we jump right in after the uh, proposal is accepted. And the next call, we're, we're working through the problems. Um, so the whole process can take, we've gotten it down to just under a week. Um, most of that is spent uh, getting the NBA signed and getting things scheduled. Um, so, uh, yeah, we like to say we can move very quickly, um, respond very quickly to the needs. And then, um, once those needs are met, if people are done with us, we go away. Like we don't need long-term retainers or, uh, consulting contracts or anything like that. We're in this to meet the need, help you get what you need to, to launch the product. And if you don't need anything else, cause you've got your team already built, great. Um, take our, take our knowledge with our blessing and run and go do it. Like that's, that's what we're trying to do. And if somebody's thinking about that, Jamie, and, and, and it may not, there may not be a quote unquote typical, but so kind of at a unit volume or where do they generally come in and then where are you trying to take them? So are we talking about, you know, are we talking about I, I'm doing a thousand cases and when we're done at Catapult, we're going to be doing a hundred or what's, what's the, or is there I, a range? We. We literally work with people all the way down to zero. We have grandma's recipe on an index card. This is one of my success stories, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, grandma's recipe on an index card. 
here's it on a piece of china that we just pulled out of the cabinet. Can you taste your product and tell me whether or not you think we've got a business? Um, and that act, that group um, is Mama Bev's, so they're here actually local. I'm, I'm happy to plug them. Um, and uh, we've been working with them for uh, about a year and a half now. Uh, last month, they closed just shy of 20K in e-com um, business. Um, and that's after they turned their e-com on about two or three months prior to that. So going from zero to you know 20K in, in e-com in a couple of months, um, because they had all the other pieces lined up and ready to go, including production, to be able to meet that, um, you know, they've, they've been able to do a lot in a little bit of time, a little bit of time. I think their target over the next uh, couple of months, I think is, um, I think the next quarter should be about a, a hundred K. Um, so they're, I mean, they're, they're going at this, they're going at it the right way. Um, we work with folks that small. Um, we've also worked with, I'll talk about my second largest client. Um, my second largest client came to us. They had, um, roughly uh, 50 million in, in annual sales um, and they had not touched their supply chain um, from when they were about a million dollars in sales and so they had overrun it um, multiple times over again and they were finding themselves in like four or five warehouses in the region rather than being all in one warehouse it was a frozen product that had to be refrigerated and so they were slacking it out it took six weeks off because they weren't breaking down the pallets and all sorts of fun stuff um, <laughs> but yeah Long story short, I mean, we came in, we came, we came through, and um, you know, said, okay, we're going to bring the product to new ports because these are going to be the new warehouses. This is how we're going to process the product. It's going to go from a six-week blackout to, um, I think we got it down to about 15 minutes um, using some different technologies. Um, the total cost of the goods went down significantly, um, and. They ended up with a better quality product that lasted longer on shelf. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to talk about a uh, a downside with all that, but yeah. Um, and then we run everything in between, where you know we've done a little bit of ecom, and you know we're selling you know maybe fifty cases a month for ecom. We'd really like to take this into you know initial retail channels um, and whatnot, and see if we can. Uh, uh, start to move some product that way. How do we do that? What do the sales cycles look like? Um, and, and everything like that. And how do we grow production to be able to do that uh, beyond the commercial kitchen that we're using right now um, yeah. to support that? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's about solving simultaneously the technical, the operational, and the business challenges in order to uh, deliver a growth that is meaningful to the client. Growth in any one of those areas doesn't necessarily help the bottom line, but growth in all of them can. Right, right. It, and yes, and, and coordinated, uh, you know, so certainly helps. Um, one right. of the things we probably should talk about, Jamie, a little bit is, um, uh, first of all, if people are interested in, in furthering the conversation and finding more about Catapult, how do they do that? Uh, easiest and simplest is um, catapultserve.com. That's C-A-T-A-P-U-L-T-S-E-R-V.com. Um, that is our website. Um, it's got my email address on it. It's got my phone number on it. Um, it is my personal cell phone that is sitting right here. I'm talking on it right now. So um, <laughs> feel free to give me a call anytime. Um, I may put you to voicemail, unfortunately. Um, but um, right now, I am the 
uh, Gatekeeper and I talk to every client uh, before we onboard them with anybody, um, just so that uh, you know you understand who you're getting, who you're going to be working with, and, and what the team looks like. Um, yeah, so that's that's really the process. We don't need anything super formal. We don't have you know uh, documents and all that stuff. We have to worry about up front. We're going to worry about that uh, once we need to get uh, additional information and things like that. Got it. Um, one of the other things too, Jamie, is the COVID, uh, the lockdown, the effect of coronavirus, the shift in in from retail to ecom. What what's been the effect on Catapult, and what's been the effect on your clients? I'd say the effect is more on the way in which we have to do business. So um, specifically, I mean, Catapult, we are a decentralized group. I'm literally sitting in my attic right now, and this is my normal workspace. This is not my COVID-only workspace. <laughs> um, my group is in Seattle, Portland, the Bay Area, LA, Austin, um, Chicago, Omaha, Boston, um, not to mention Milwaukee, where I'm sitting right now, and Atlanta, um, and one in Australia. But let's, yeah, um, but uh, good. You know, basically, um, we 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 work from our uh, spaces when we need production equipment. We have them uh, nearby, so if I needed something, I'd probably run over to UW Madison. Um, we work with the local uh, universities and or commercial kitchens in, in each of our different areas. Um, so that we have the right equipment that we need to run our tests and whatnot. Um, but as far as the impact of COVID, uh, we have seen with contract manufacturers that um, they're not letting people in to take tours right now. Um, yeah. A lot of places are still trying to fill the um, new product pipeline. So they still want to queue those up, but they're just not letting anybody in the door. So they're not signing those executionable contracts at the moment. Um, that is starting to open up. We've talked a few places into um, letting us tour their facility virtually. Um, so they'll, we'll do it on FaceTime, actually, um, the simplest of all solutions. Yep. Um, and we'll go through and walk, ask questions, you know, take me to your QA lab, let me meet the individuals I'll be working with, all that stuff. So we're doing all of that remotely, and we've been doing that um, as needed for clients when we don't necessarily need boots on the ground. Um, but uh, I would say our normal MO um, and the best way to get a feel for somebody is to go into their home, go into their uh, uh, production facility and see how they do business, even though you know they've prepped it for you know you coming through, at least how they want to portray themselves. Um, you know, if you see a piece of roof tile falling in or something like that, you mention that to them. If they don't immediately jump out of their skin to go fix it, you're like, eh, I'm not sure that you're going to fix that. Um, and, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing business together because I'm worried about your QA protocols and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's really been the impact of slowdown on travel. Um, that said, I currently have a guy in a plant right now. We, um, we're installing a, so my exception to my 95% uh, should go through Coman is that some places actually do need their own production facility. Yep. Um, and so that exception includes a uh, plant that we're building in Minneapolis right now for about a million five or something like that. It's a small, small little plant. Um, but I have a guy literally there right now. Um, and I said to him, you know, listen, COVID's still an issue. Um, we've got these major um, issues with um, uh with, with the, the, the race tensions right now. 
if you don't want to go, don't go. Like, we can do this remotely if you want to. And he felt like he needed to go so badly for the client that um, that he had it out there to go yeah. help out, um, which the client was immensely yeah. help, uh, appreciative of. Yeah, it's it's a different but, um, a different time. So that's right. But that's it, right. At least so I don't know we, how far out this will air, but at least uh, you know we'll remember this fondly at some point. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I I think it's you know there are there are certain things that that um, you know you can't do over a Zoom meeting for sure. Um, but I also feel as though there's a lot of companies that to and and I'm talking now probably more about larger CPG um, that mm-hmm. uh, are finding out that. You can do a lot of stuff remotely and, you know, gosh, we don't have to fly everybody in every, you know, month to have this meeting. So, right. It's just, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. And so, but, uh, so, uh, so Jamie, one thing that we, uh, we do for, uh, uh, our audience is we, we try to elicit from our guests, uh, from various walks of life. And we have a lot of founders in the program. We have a lot of people that are, are I, I call key partners. You would be one of them. Uh, for people that are trying to assist people in growing, but we um, we like to see if they can sum up uh, an advice to fellow entrepreneurs in in one word or one phrase or one particular area of the business that you want fellow entrepreneurs to know. Can you do that? Sure. Um, I think in summary, based on our conversation today, because I'd like to keep it you know topical, but um, you know, contract manufacturers are potentially great partners if properly vetted um, and can deliver on a lot of things that uh, people are looking for in their business objectives. Yep. Agreed. Good advice. Good counsel. Mm-hmm. And so, guys, if you want to talk to Jamie some more, you can start by going to the Catapult website, which is catapultserve.com, and he actually has his phone number on there, So, uh, which is – which is great. I think I've had one other guest that actually said that, and it was a, a an agency guy who said, "No, no, this is my phone number. I'm not giving you the agency's phone. It's my phone number, and you can call me." So it's mm-hmm. great. But I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, Jamie. And uh, we we should do another show to talk about some of the some of the other aspects technical of the business because I think it's something that you know I know a lot of entrepreneurs out there need, and you know on a daily basis that that's what they need. You know, it's. It's one of those great things. So I can see why Catapult has been so successful. For sure. Just tell me no one. We will do. All right. So thanks again, Jamie. And thanks to our audience out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. Podcast today brought to you by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses, workshops, and webinars for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more about selling at retail, e-commerce, distributors, how to properly price your product, check out the free webinar archive at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. What you need to know to grow. I'm Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.